Good afternoon and welcome to the Hard Luck Show. I'm your certified, qualified host, Steve Lucky Luciano. And with me today on my right is Chumahan Bowen, American Indian, Southern Californian, elegant barbarian with an evil grin. <laughs> Love that. And on my left as usual, Sean Lewis, certified audio professional and engineer for the Hard Luck Show. That's right. Those so, blue eyes, boy. Look at those yeah. eyes. Oh, He's blue got, eyes. Oh, blue eyes. And you know what? Yeah. Real quick, let's introduce uh, another guy that we got real quick that's here. On that mic. Uh, taking some quick... Uh, Johnny Z, a lot of people have heard of Johnny Z. I know a lot of people have requested his, uh, his services and everything and taking some pretty awesome photos. Johnny Z is over here. He's an animator, and he's also taking some stills of the show. Is that right, Johnny? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Z in helping out today. He's taking some still photos. He's working on some projects on the side, and he offered to come in and devote some of his time and help us out today. Is there anywhere they can go, Johnny Z, to, to get your services or to, to, to look at your Check stuff? Check you out? Yeah. Yeah, I have a website called The Divine Swine. The, the Divine, Divine Swine. Swine. Yeah. He pointed to his midsection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me describe. I'm a little fluffy. So. Let, me, let, me, let me describe a little bit what we got here with Johnny Z. Uh, he's flexing right now, and I can see uh, some of uh, He's very soft. He's saying, no, I'm not really flexing. He's got, I don't, what kind of mustache would you call it? That's like a... Brocha. A brocha. A It kind of reminds me of like a pizzeria guy's mustache or something like Maybe. that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. He's got mm -hmm. kind of a, he's got short cropped black hair with kind of a, like a skunk white stripe down the middle of it. I don't know what that is. He's, mm -hmm. he's wearing camo pants. Go ahead. A little stank. Yeah, he's got a little stank <laughs> on his crank. Mm -hmm. And he's got a camera around his neck and he's having a good time, right? Yeah, this All is right. great. Thank All right. you. All right, cool. All right. Listen, nice. guys, I don't want to change up the show, but I feel like uh, I mean, we had some stuff that we were going to talk about, but I feel like we got to we gotta address something because, uh, I mean, I, I wasn't expecting the reaction that we got for episode one or two. Were you? Yeah. Either I was not. I had no idea that we, I didn't know this many people were paying attention. I had no. I guess we should have known because Esteban Oriol, the the guy, he's pretty famous. He is. He is. He. I, I mean, he draws. also just happens to be your friend and your homie. But like, he's a he's a huge uh, presence. He's a, a very very important creative factor in Los Angeles. In in the world. In the I world. Mean, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And so okay. So then, so we so listen. And this is no bullshit. Uh, we started this podcast as kind of like I create a project like you know you were we, you were up in San Francisco at the time Lux Sean I, you were I don't know what you were doing you're down here but you were what were you? I was working at Native Instrument, Instruments Native yeah. Instruments blah blah, right. blah 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 and so we're like let's do a podcast and it was kind of like we're gonna be like just talking to Steve's buddies and, and kind of talking about Steve's life but we didn't really it's kind of casual it, it was a show and I, I 
I have a lot of great friends. I've grown up in this town. I've this I've, town I've, being LA, LA and uh, created um, created some successful brands and and played a part in in different in a lot of different creative aspects and a lot of different things in Los Angeles. And right, you've worked with Tommy Hilfiger. You've worked with the hundreds. You've worked with Cypress Hill. You've worked with all these different dudes at one capacity or another, right? Right. A colorful, a lot of people, yeah. And then have a, a, a quite kind of colorful history, if you might say. Right. You've been to prison. Yeah, a couple but times. I mean, yeah. let's just get real. Like, you, 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 yeah. <laughs> you robbed, robbed some white dudes yeah. <laughs> during the L.A. riots. Yeah, I mean, a lot of different <laughs> things have happened, you know. I've, uh, I've had, favorite. let's, I've had some, I've I had a lot of, people. I've had a lot of successes and I've had a lot of struggles uh, throughout my life. You Dude, know? But, you've got a past that is almost as colorful as all the tattoos on your arm. Right. Well, yeah, but those are all black and gray. Yeah, no color. They well, and you know what? Your life has been full of black and gray. Absolutely, Lots of, right? Hey. But Sean, seriously, so how many? Sean, you worked at Native Instruments. You were like, I mean, come on, dude. You're in the fucking digital audio world for a very long time. You call yourself a samurai. Uh, how many people do you know talk about starting a podcast and talking about like, hey, let's get a podcast. We should get a podcast. Like, how many dudes do you know, people? Is that common? Say yeah, a little bit. It's pretty common, right? And yeah. so, you, like this thing right here, we have been talking about it, Steve, and we're like, eh, da, 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 let's do it. Blah 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 blah. It's been almost a year, I want to say that, right? Yeah, in the making, right? Mm -hmm. And and honestly, how many podcast classes or whatever seminars have we taken to do any of this shit? Nothing, zero. Right, right. The only thing we got going for us is that we fucking. <laughs> this is true. Look at Johnny Z's nodding, smiling, thumbs up. Listen, we, no practice. We just jumped into this Dude, thing. you want to know a true story? This is a true story. You know, in the development of this podcast, there was a point in time where we didn't have any of the equipment. We didn't know what we were going to do or how we were going to set it up. And my buddy, uh, Eric... Mm -hmm. He had a he had a company already set up. So Steve and I were like, well, we'll meet with Eric and we'll talk to him and maybe he'll like what he hears and give us a show or he'll give us some pointers or whatever. Right. Okay, so we so so Steve and I and then this is when Steve is still up in San Francisco. I mean Steve comes down, you know, uh especially for this thing. He's got a button up, da 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 on and we go and we we and meet I gotta, in Beverly Hills. And meet in Beverly Hills at a at a at a hotel at a fucking whatever. And so, you know, we 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 go there and we we've, we've got a kind of a little bit of a plan, a little bit of a shtick, you know. And so we meet Eric. Eric's a great guy. Yes, right? he was yes. at the baby shower. Yep. And so we're like, uh, you know, and he remember Eric had his little notebook. Yep. I like <laughs> Eric a lot, yeah, man. A, he had a little notebook. He's making his notes, and so. His partner, though, uh, the big, the fat Welshman, uh, this big, this big direct. He wasn't. He's not a big director. He was a, a medium director, but he was a big agent in England or whatever. And he represented comedy acts, live acts. And he comes to America and he lives on the east side of L.A. Which, in Boyle Heights. Yeah, yeah. Which, which he was like, man. After we met him, right? This guy's big. This big Welshman. The big Welshman's a great guy. Nice guy. Um, anyway, he came here to be like a director, do do a little bit of whatever. So we meet with this these podcast people, and we're like, yeah, we got this idea for you know a show and da 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 da. And the big Welshman, right? I mean, this guy, 
He goes, uh, I don't mean to be blunt, but he looks Steve dead in the eye and he's like, but I've never heard of you, mate. He's like, who's mm-hmm. ever heard of you? Nobody's ever heard of you, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. And you remember that moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody knows who Steve Luciano is. And we were like, well, and like we didn't say anything in da 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 da. But this is what what I took away from this mm-hmm. is, and when this is what convinced me. So at that time, the kind of concept that Steve and I had at this time was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, uh, we'll we'll meet up with some people that have already got a podcast channel. And they got the equipment. And we'll just go in there, and mm-hmm. I'll just show them Steve with the fucking tattoos and the blood stories. And I can't believe anybody would say no. Mm-hmm. Like no, you know, like who's gonna say no to the? <laughs> who would say no to that? <laughs> so the the but the Welshman, the fat Welshman, was like, uh, no disrespect, but nobody's ever heard of you, mate. And I was like, whoa. But during that meeting, which we kept going. Steve starts telling his prison stories. And I mean, when I tell you these prison stories, these are the kind of prison stories that they don't show you on A&E. <laughs> right? They don't show you the stories about truck nope. and a bunch of meth in, in, in that guy's asshole <laughs> and how that guy's asshole got slid open and how truck had to have his drugs right there. I mean, some of the, and when Steve started telling this story... The fat Welshman was <laughs> he now was leaning forward, like fully engaged yeah. at the edge of his seat, swear to God. And Eric was just scribbling mad, like in his little notebook. Yep. And at that moment, the guy who was like, sorry, mate, nobody's ever heard of you, was fully engaged. I mean, Steve told a story. Dude, the fat Welshman's hair curled. He was sweating. He was sweating. He was sweating. It was yeah. like AK-47 bullets coming out of his fucking... He started t- coming up with all sorts of ideas then, didn't, didn't he? Didn't he? Absolutely. He was telling the live one-man shows yeah, and all yeah, that shit. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah, When Steve... Listen, Steve, so Steve, Steve said something like... Because we started out... Now they started engaging him and they were asking him about prison and how you kill somebody and all this stuff. And so then they go, well, so like if you're going to kill somebody like on the yard, what are you going to... And Steve's like, well, first of all, I'm going to play basketball with him. And the Washman's like, what for, mate? And he's like, so the heart gets pumped. Look at Johnny Zeno's heart gets pumping. So when you cut their neck, when you cut the artery, the blood comes out faster, and <laughs> bleed out quicker. Yeah, and, and the and the Welshman was like, holy fuck, <laughs> and that's when I knew. I said, fuck anyone else. You know what? Let's get our own equipment and let's just do our own fucking show, because why are we gonna cut someone in on this fucking action? This shit's damn fuck, straight, right? Yep. And that's what happened with these two episodes. So, on some level, we kind of understood that Steve has something special in the fact that he's got street credibility, he's got artistic whatever, like uh, style, and then he's also got all these friends from like major celebrities down to like guys that aren't celebrities but could be celebrities because of all the shit that they've done in their life. So Steve knows, like, I mean, if he's the key to the fucking golden doors of Los Angeles. If you want something to happen in Los Angeles, the best thing you could do is go through Steve because he knows everybody. It's not a fucking single... He knows me. He knows you. (laughs) Think about that, Sean. Steve knows Sean from Native Instruments, Chumahan, uh, Indian lawyer, and and, and Johnny Z, who... Where are you... How do do you know Steve, Johnny Z? Um, We grew up in the same city, and so everybody knows everybody. That's right. Like, see that? From the city of Santa Monica right there. So 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 when you look at 
like the wagon wheel of greatness, and you see all that. Look at Johnny Z is bearing his fluffy guns. SM. But on those Santa fluffy Bottom. guns, he's got an S and an M on his shoulder. It stands for Santa Monica, right? Yeah. Santa Monica doesn't fuck around, Johnny Z? No, not at all. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at the wagon wheel of greatness in L.A., all spokes lead to the center, which is Steve Lucky Lucia. Wow, bro. That damn, is a damn. That's, endorsement that's, right that's pretty beautiful right there. I'm not fucking around. I'm not really j- fucking around when I say that. Thank so, you, Jumon. Listen, so we came up and we're like, okay, so let's do high. We had no classes. We didn't know anything. We bought all the equipment out of our own pocket. Was, uh, <laughs> I actually used my, uh, uh, I used a little bit of money that I got back from, uh, Look at him, dude. Why are you sweating no, no, the hell no, no. in the story? Uh, you know, I just... You got a lawsuit settlement or what? Yeah, you, got, kind of, you, got, you got Steve yeah, over here. You robbed somebody? Cash. No, it was, uh, you know, some... <laughs> what, you in a lottery? What money? Where'd you what get the you, money? Yeah, where'd you get the money? Now look at I him. I turned in my, my bills for my, my phone. My company paid for my phone, so I just side pockets. I put it in a little account and then just bought the... Mike's and yeah, it's, it's, this guy's no, talking like he was a big deal. This guy was talking like he was skimming off the Yeah, I embezzled. <laughs> like, I embezzled. Like, uh, listen, uh, my accountant Bernie <laughs> Madoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we did, and then we went to Chumahan's law firm. His right. law offices and made a makeshift studio out of it. We made a makeshift studio. Every morning we will fucking throw this like 800 pound tabletop down on top of my fucking uh, yeah. conference table. Remember yep, that? start screwing in the microphone <laughs> posts. <laughs> working, yeah. Every morning. And like, and that's no bullshit. That's for real. And then eventually, uh, so your friends, Steve, your friends started coming down and it like ranges. Ladies and gentlemen, this is broadcasting excellence. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve, we had friends that are everything from Noah Levine, who is like uh, maybe one of the most famous Los Angeles Buddhist monks, all the way to a guy named Brian who's got the biggest heart but did 36 years on an accidental murder. Yep. Right? So, okay, so we have all these people coming through, and at some point it gets so colorful that that at my law firm, Mm -hmm. the neighbors complain, right? And they're like, oh, there's all these scary tattooed people. And the landlord came, remember when he came and yelled at us? Yep, yep. What are you doing? What are you people doing? (laughs) And remember, Noah Levine, the Buddhist monk, had the loudest motorcycle of all of our guests. Yeah, yeah, And that really upset the landlord. Do you remember how red his face got? He yelled at Noah Levine. He thought Little Levine was like a biker gang president or something like that. Little did he yeah. know. Yeah, he had no idea. He's probably one of the most. Gen- Do you remember what he said to Book Noah? By his cover. Well, he's like, it's too loud. No, you gotta cut it off. He wanted to actually push it into the. He wanted him to push the motorcycle into the. He wanted to push road. it out of the street. Yeah, and yeah. start it up at the there. corner. Yeah, crazy. And, and the landlord told the landlord yelled at Noah Levine and was like, "Listen." A decent person doesn't have a motorcycle that loud. Yeah, a decent person. Like, what are you people trying to do? (laughs) And it was like 11 or or 1 p.m. in the afternoon. What's the name of that? What's the name of that guy? Oh, I'm not going to say. What's his first name? (laughs) Uh, His first name is, is Steve. Is it? Really? It is. Well, fuck that Steve in the side of the neck, that son of a bitch. Dude, listen, ladies and gentlemen, listen, and this is true. When he ran over, he didn't look like a landlord. He just had on oh, like a fucking. Man. He he had a he's a kind of a sweaty. He's a sweaty man. He's a very sweaty individual. Sweats on mm. every part of his body. Even his hair sweats. Very panicked. And he looked panicked, and he was red. And he was Chumahan, you were very smart, bro. <laughs> because as this dude opened his fucking mouth, like he Chumahan, like cho- jumped in and was like. 
That's my landlord. Like, he put it out there real quickly I before s- any, yeah. because, man, this dude. <laughs> ooh, You're you like, just you said that guy? really cool. Exactly, man. I was going to send this dude two right. ways to hell and dude, back. Because he looked like he was just wearing, like, puffy Walmart jeans and a yeah, fucking, man. And, and a shirt. And he comes running over, and he gets into Noah Levine's face, and he's yelling at him. And he's like, what are you trying to tell me with the loudness of that motorcycle to go to hell? Are you trying to tell me to go? He was telling a Buddhist monk, are you trying to tell me to go to hell? Yeah. And I could see in Steve's eyes. Like, I saw the blood. Like, I saw the blood <laughs> traveling down the veins, and I knew, like, okay, we got... So I stepped in, just like you said. I'm like, this is the landlord. And, like, Steve was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, oh, we, and, we, and we gave him a pass, and we let him do his little thing, and then we, we pushed him up. By the way, that so then the landlord sends me this letter, registered mail, saying, like, of lease violations because it's too loud. Yeah, dude. Man. As a result... We had to move the podcast. So here we are. To where, Sean? Where did we have to move this podcast? To uh, my wife's yoga studio. To his now. So we went from a law office to a yoga, yoga studio. studio. In the meantime, it's a hard luck show, guys. It's right? a hard, it's hard luck, luck show. We hey, we overcome, adapt, and improvise, or whatever the fuck it is. That's right. 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 Hell you yeah, gotta make man. your own luck. Can't stop because you gotta make your own luck. Can't hard, stop this. Hard luck stands for making your own luck. Pretty much. So, um, and so anyway, so in the meantime, while all of that shit's going down, right, a shit storm is just impen- While that's going down, we're having unbelievable success with the first two episodes of Estevan Oreo's show where, where Estevan comes in, and it's a two-parter. Yeah, man, this thing went up on the iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Spotify and we got down, I, I didn't expect... I don't know where all these people came from. Found out about the show. Dude, there's downloading. people in Australia. I looked at our stats. I saw that. Too. Did you see that? Yeah. There's motherfuckers in Australia it's listening crazy, to this show. Man. I mean, Australia. I mean, Europe. Yeah, Jap- Japan. I get it. Okay, South America, but Australia. I know. Yeah, they're listening. They're listening to Steve Lucky Luciano's life and his friends, and like going like what? The-? And so anyway, shout out. Well, we did have a roadmap, and that that got kind of scrapped, and I think that's why. We're coming on, and you're hearing the the podcast out of order. You're going right. to be hearing them. We, that's why I'm saying. I had to kind of like stop and say, like, look it. There's people. So since we went live on iTunes and all this other stuff, first of all, people are clamoring for more episodes, and we do. We have a ton of episodes stacked. Yep. Right. And that's what we do. We fucking. We've been at this for a minute now. Yeah, we pressed and folded a ton of. But when we laid out. Esteban, and, and then we laid out part one and part two of that story. It was a cool story. But then people started emailing the show, writing in, and they're like, dude, I, I, I want to know more about Steve. I want to understand what's like who's Steve Lucky Luciano. And there's a lot of the guys know, but then people from Australia and all this other stuff, they don't. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? We it's, So my point being, mm. we really want to break it down mm. and stop fucking around. The mm. point is, is that. We started out kind of with our own little humble idea of what we were going to do. It went from talk to reality, yeah. which never happens on this podcast shit, right? Lots of people are like, oh, no, no. So then we did that. And then all of a sudden I realized, you know what? We didn't think this through. Because the first two episodes are great episodes, but it's you and Esteban talking. But n- now we need to step back and be like, hey— Who's the fuck is Steve Lucky Luciano? Like, who's the host of the show? This show is named after you. Yes. Right? This this is your namesake. Damn straight. This is the flagship show, but, like, what's your story? And 
I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, where else to go with it other than to say, like, I think we need to kind of go back and, like, maybe we just, we sh- I don't, we should just do a show that kind of focuses on Steve for a minute so that we can kind of break down. And our relationship, like, Steve, your relationship, how you and I know each other. Yeah. Like, how did you start out? And, and then how did Sean kind of come into the mix so that everybody gets to know on an intimate, intimate, intimate level, like who the main players are on the show. The star, the biggest star. Absolutely. Being Steve Lucky Luciano, of course, right? I think you guys are big stars, too. Ah, listen to this guy. Humble all the way to the end, but that's bullshit. You're the star. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I mean, what what are your thoughts on that? Um, No, look, it's a hard luck show. That's the name we came up with, and um, I feel like... You know, I don't feel like people have always told me, man, you got so many different friends, bro. You got you you're you're very lucky. You're you know, you're blessed to have so many people in your life and you know, um and I feel like I do. And I feel like I one thing I have is I have a lot of great friends and my friends, a lot of them have been my friends for twenty, thirty years. Let me ask you a question. Can, Consistently. Listen. For the millennials and younger that are listening, there's a lot of introverts. A lot of them are introverts, right? And they and some of them feel like there's like awkward moments they can't overcome, and they're having all, and 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 I think I don't know about this day and age, but I'm just gonna say, it's a problem for people sometimes to like have those kinds of friendships, like to reach out. How is it possible that you're able to have these kinds of friendships that you're talking about? Like, how do you know so many? I mean, are you an extrovert? Are you? Do you? How do you do that? How does a motherfucker do that? I, I don't. You know what? I can't answer that question as how I do that. Um, uh, I've always ventured out. I've never. I never felt like I've had borders or anything that's contained me. So I've put myself out there in a lot of different in a lot of different projects, a lot of different things. I've done a lot of things. What gives and... you the courage? What is the motivation or the drive behind you saying, like, look, I put myself out there? Um, I Ultimately, there's a belief that anything's possible. And I believe in my heart that I can do anything. And... Uh, and I've attempted a lot of things, and I've and I've been successful at accomplishing a lot of things. I've failed at some things, but I've I've always felt like uh, I can do anything. Like that, if I saw somebody doing something that I really admired and thought was amazing, yeah, I always saw I always saw it like, but I can do that too. Like there's nothing different between them and me. And so um, I just. Where does that come from? I mean, dude, come on. Like, you're telling me, let's just get real. You're telling me when you're like seven years old, you already have that. No, in bro. Come I on. did not. No. Okay, no, so no. How does no, that no, come no, about? No. For um, you know, I was the, if anything, I was the opposite. What do you mean? As a, as a kid, I didn't feel like I fit in. I had no confidence. I didn't have, I was, I was scared. Um, Hold on one second. Okay. Seven years old, I was a kid, whatever. No confidence, scared. Now, hold on a second. Um, let me just paint the picture of what- Chubby, scared. Hold on. Sissy. See, Johnny Z? You could be chubby and eventually- Now, listen. <laughs> listen. Let me let me describe what what's in front of us right now, because some, some people don't know. Okay. Steve Lucky Luciano, right? He's tan. He's got 
guns the size of fucking boa constrictors. They're covered in uh, these black tattoos. Like the spider webs on his fucking elbows. There's a fucking there's fucking hot chicks on his fucking biceps. There's a fucking, you know, I don't know, whatever that is. The fucking eyeballs. He's got sore, which means south. He's got all this shit on. He looks fucking cool. He's got a black T-shirt on. It's filled out. Fucking giant fucking rock-like fucking shoulders. Guys are fucking, how tall are you? Six two. Six two. He's got a fucking I don't know what kind of mustache you call it. It's very trim. It's very it's very gentlemanly. Right? It's very manicured. It's a little salt and pepper because you're a seasoned man now. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and, uh, and then he's got uh and then he's got a Raiders hat on, it's clean and crisp, you know, blah blah blah. So that's what's talking right now. But what you just described is that you started out as a chubby, scared little kid. Okay, how do you go from chubby and scared to fucking buff and tattooed? Let me tell you, chubby, chubby, scared, ashamed of where I came from, didn't fit in. Um, I know about, um, I know about coming from very little. I know about carrying shame with you. I know about. Uh, what was the shame um, about? I know about uh, somebody's parents dropping you off and me telling them that's my house right there and having them drop me off, and that ain't my house. And I wait until that car drives down to the end of the block before I walk over to my house because I'm ashamed of it. What was wrong with your house? I don't think there was anything necessarily wrong. I right. just. But why would why didn't you want anyone be, to know where you lived? Because uh, I I came from very little, and I feel like uh, I didn't fit in with with a lot of the people that were around. Did the house look like shit? Um. Yeah. Just I wanted something different. You know. You didn't want to be where you were from. I didn't want to be where I was from, and this is when I was a young kid in in West LA, and um, and you know. I just feel like I didn't fit in. I was uh, a sissy. I got picked on. I got beat up. You um, got picked on. Yes, I got picked Get on. I got beat up out. all through grade school and all the ways into what's the, the worst, seventh grade. What's the worst beating you ever got? What's one? Give us some examples. Oh, man, I got thumbtacks stuck in me. I got punched in the nose in front of uh, girls. <laughs> I went to a party. I remember I in the beginning laugh, of the seventh. I remember going to a party in the seventh grade and the coolest kid in school had the party and it was nighttime and all the parents dropped their kids off and it was like everybody was there and all the hottest girls. Just and like in the movies. Yep. And then uh, this dude, Miguel Vaughn, you know, uh, had a thing with me, man. And he like started picking on me right at that party and I, I tried to avoid it and and then he just finally just punched me right in the nose. Felt like he broke my nose. Blood and everywhere. I ran off crying. Oh. And, this, and then the parents had to call my mom to pick me. I was just oh. humiliated, embarrassed. Wait, wait, wait. So so just that type of shit. What is it with some dudes like cause I was I was a I was a fat kid too. It's insane. I was I was I was a chubby kid. I was I I, I don't know what I, I was, but I wasn't right. normal weight. I'll tell you that. All right. I was sometimes definitely I, a chubby kid. I definitely get like sometimes people look back at pictures of me and they're like, "You're not fat. You're just chubby." And I'm like, "You know what? That's not what they called me back then. They didn't say, "Oh, you're you're pleasantly plump." You know, you're chubby. They were like, "You're fat." The kids were calling me fat back. Fat then. boy. 
fat boy. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? And so, like, there's, I remember, like, for me, humiliating, one time I was in the locker room, right? Seventh grade, look at Johnny Z's, like, he's like, fuck it. No. He, Johnny Z made the motion for pantsing. No. I was in the locker room changing, right? Okay? And I did, like, I knew I was fat. And everyone else was thin, naturally thin. They were eating the same shit I was eating, but I was fat. I was probably eating more. <clears throat> but the point is, one of the guys was like, damn, Chumahan. And already I'm embarrassed. All the guys are there. And he grabbed my fat roll. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like he was grabbing, I don't know what, right? Like he just grabbed it and he like shook it. And he's like, damn, that's a fucking fat roll. And it was humiliating at a level I can't even really express. Yes, yes. So Absolutely. you go to this part. Why do some people zone in on that? They can sniff fear. And they're playing on fear like that. That guy, for some reason in his world or the way he saw it, his way to boost himself up was to pick on somebody, right. make somebody look smaller than him. Okay? Right. I just happened to be that guy, the wrong guy at the wrong place. Did for- you like when you went to this? So you got how did you get invited to the party? Because I knew the kid who was having the party was a real popular kid named Rick Seiko. And <clears throat> and, and me and him were cool, you know. Um, and it was the beginning of the seventh grade. So, uh, I don't know, just, uh, so you go there now, did you like, did you know, do you already have like on your mind, like the dark horizons of like, man, I hope if I go there, I don't get fucked. Uh, No, not at all. I'm going there, man. It's like all the hot girls are going to be there. All the, I mean, it's like everybody I wanted to, my social circle that I wanted to be in, (sighs) We're all going to this thing, you know, and, and as a kid, you know, at that age, you're excited about it. It's your first, like, nighttime, cool, seventh grade, you know? Yeah. You're starting to starting to step into that teenage zone. Right. You're going to this nighttime party and right. probably be a little weed there. Somebody will probably, you know, that type of thing. Right, so, exciting. And it just went as south, backwards, and just, it just went bad. And by... This point in time, I, I had been getting picked on. I had been getting beat up on. And and it just got, you know, I mean, after that, my mom had to come pick me up. And my, my nose was busted. I was just in tears. It was just uh, you a know, mess. A mess. And, and you know, I was, uh, I was a sissy, you know. And um, that kind of carried on. And, and really, that really encouraged more of it. And I started just just getting just like hammered oh man i i would just if i was people would just come up to me and just slug me take pop shots at me because i was just that yeah bro in the seventh grade yeah that is so just yeah man just all sorts of you know there was a number of number of uh paul sorrentino gabby corcus um jason roulette um just you know miguel i can't remember miguel's last name and uh, these dudes are just yeah, I was the target, you know? And so, and like, what would you do, dude? Would you fucking, like, would you try to walk in areas where they weren't? Like, would you try to avoid them? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you're trying to, like, talk to girls and try and, trying and to have try a normal be good. Life. Yeah, right, dude. And then they'd always show up. they just fuck God, everything up. Damn, those fucking You know, and then, uh, and then a couple would be waiting after school to <sighs> beat my ass at the bus stop. Just like, and let me just back up, man. My, yeah. my dad wasn't around at this point in time. You know, and uh, I'm growing up in household with an older sister and a mom. Right, and 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 what do they know about learning how to be a guy that? Depends? No, man, there isn't, man, and 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 like, what do they tell? Do they tell you anything? 
And I tell him, shit, my mom's like, you have to turn the other cheek, you know, oh. those kids. And it's like, dude, you're and like, I'm I, trying to like buy into this. Just be the nice kid. Just uh, be trying to buy, buy, buy. Try, but it's not working, man. Right. And and there was shit going on even in elementary school. And it was always like, I don't know, man. I, I was I was trying to buy into this world where you just are passive and and they'll stop i'd let i'd let a kid hit me until he got tired just as long as he'd stop that you know is like so so insane. so 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 to, to kind of like recap this thing a little bit you're like uh you're being told that the solution to this whole thing is to is just walk let, away walk away don't and you hear that everywhere yeah man and, the, and, and it's, it's not ending anything. it's not ending it's not ending and and there's no guy and, and in the we house to remember, tell you. And uh, yeah, we could go backwards and start talking about you know there was a, a, a breakdown. There is no male figure in the house. Right. There is nobody showing me how or what or, and so this is. Do this you is, think? Um, let me ask you a question because that's that's like a thing that you see that a lot, right? And I'm not saying look, I don't saying anything, but I'm just saying you see it a lot where it's like. You got these kids that are kind of like picked on and they're being told all the time, like, hey, just you turn the other cheek and, you know, this is what so-and-so would do and walk away and be the better man and all that other kind of stuff. And then and then, then at the same time, we also got guys that finally just snap, right? And they just, they, they, they like these shooters that go into sure. Do you sure. think that, uh, that, that on some level that walk away thing all the time is stuffing down a lot of aggression and hostility that has to go somewhere? I, I absolutely, well, yes, I do. And when you're talking about, when you're talking about a male, yeah. a young man, yeah. there's a lot to it, man. You're suppressing a lot that yeah. naturally needs to come out. And I'm not going to get all the ways into like the breakdown of the family unit right. and they're not being a male figure in the, because that does... I'm telling you right now, that accounts for a lot, okay? Yeah. Accounts for a lot in what this country's like today in the world. But right. That there's not a male that. figure not a in male the figure. house with the kids, with no. the son. Exactly, bro. And to, 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 you know, listen, so that's happening. Now, I have to say that on top of that, the shame's getting worse. Right. Because the shame of what's going on, where I come from, the humiliation, all of it's starting to work on me. Okay. Right. right. I, I've already got so I do. I know for a fact that at that stage in the game, I was already starting to escape through either food, um, just getting into mischief. You know, breaking okay. windows, setting so, little fires. Like there was already things that I was doing, and to relieve me of these feelings. So you you've know? got like this pressure inside, and then like. You're already starting to see that you need to somehow get away from it or get it out or escape, like you said. And so as a result, you're using things like food, bad behavior, whatever it is to kind of distract you away from this sickening reality that's inside of you. Right. I already don't like who I am. Fuck. Or where I come from. Fuck. And then when you're getting picked on and beat on on top of it, it's just it's compounding everything. You, you, you know, and I really felt like yeah, I might have just I might have only I might have only been in the seventh grade, but I had been practicing this turning the other cheek and walking with this thing for a few years now. Right. And the shit, it, it was working. getting worse and worse and worse. It wasn't working. 
And, um, and I, you know, I, I love my mom, man, but oh, she had no idea what I was faced with. Right. Okay, so this is a good, like, moment here for uh, us to reflect between each other because Johnny Z was was listening to us do our thing, and he was like, man, you guys are doing this without a script, and you guys have such a great chemistry, and it's true. And now that you're telling me this part of your story, right, you're saying, I grew up in a house with no male figure, with women, which is okay. We love women, but like, you know, a son might need another, uh, another vantage point, another viewpoint. You were, and you were chubby. I was chubby and I grew up in a house with no women. My mom wasn't there. Your dad mm-hmm. wasn't there. My mom wasn't there. And my dad was there. Mm-hmm. Right. And your mom was always telling you to turn the other cheek. And my dad was always telling me to get a bigger stick to beat somebody up. Right. Right. So you and I have like these inches, like similarities and then these real contrasts, which may add to why you and I can have these kinds of conversations in the way that we do. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. There is definitely. I've looked at that, too. Did you? Oh, I've looked at one. We we talk about things. I know you, Chumahan. I know yeah, your you history. Do. I know your life. Yeah. I know a lot about you. Yeah, it's and it's all. And you know, just like I know, these things all grow and play roles in our lives oh, on how we sure. see things. And I will say that, remember, during some of this, man, there's movies like The Godfather, right. Lords of Flatbush, um, Rocky. Like, right. So... Already, I'm starting to try and figure out at this young age, I, I don't know who I am in this world or in this picture. Right. And maybe there's Some, like information coming from those movies, Rocky, Godfather, absolutely. Savage, that are informing you what it means to be a man. Ab- okay. So so he's hitting it on the head. So, um, And towards, uh, towards the end of the seventh grade, I was... Uh, out it was it was um lunch period and uh and the bell had rung to go back to lunch and it's uh miguel had told me yeah i'm gonna beat your ass after squid threatened me or something and somehow some way uh the the i was a nervous wreck i was scared and the bell rung to leave school at three o'clock and i'm trying to get out of the gate and out of school to the bus stop early so I can beat everybody and it's a Friday so I can get home make it home without this dude beating my ass same guy that beat me up at the party and I try and pull it off and the bell rings and I'm like ah and I head right over to this gate and this is John Bros Junior High in Los Angeles and uh I don't see anybody, and I sh- towards the gate, and as I come around this corner to the gate, there's Miguel, oh, right there, bro. He, he knew he I was knew. trying to scram out early, and be, and it's so, man, you guys, this is what goes on in your this. stomach when that. I just, just that pit. It was just the most awful feeling, man. Uh, but, but fear more than that gut. Fear, like, how am I going to get beat up again? And it was like, damn. And behind Miguel is maybe a hundred people. Oh, shit. That all want to watch. You get your ass kicked. Me get beat up. Right? Oh. Everybody. And I remember 
he's walking up to me and I just, I just, I don't know what it was, you guys, but at that moment in time, as he approached me, something flashed through my head. I was like, you know what? This dude's going to beat my ass, but I'm going to hit him as hard as I can before he beats my ass, bro. I'm going to hit this dude. As, I don't know. And I didn't even know it. It's embarrassing to say. I barely even knew how to throw a punch. That was throw like, a punch, man. You know what I'm saying? That was like God talking to you. And uh, that was like he, inspiration. How did he, that, how did that somebody, come to you? Somebody, he walks up and somebody pushes him into me, right? To like instigate, right? And as they push him, he bumps into me. And we kind of, we bump apart. And I know this dude's about to take one on me. And I just, I just took like a one of those wide, big, just home run swings, yeah, and caught this dude on his right in his eye, man. I just hit this dude square in the eye, and the dude crumbled to the ground, crumbled. screaming, screaming, and got off and took off running in the other, screaming. And everybody was like, holy shit. And I remember I got uh I got kicked I got kicked out of the school. <laughs> I got kicked out of that school. Um that hit? Yeah, for, for doing that. Up, yeah. For standing up. Yeah, for man. That's fucked yeah, up. Yeah. Um but there was at- an incident there was an incident with like some firecrackers being sold <laughs> and got in trouble <laughs> for selling firecrackers at the school. So I had had like uh Prior suspension, yeah. and they threatened. Well, this was like you know. Now the kid's eye was busted bad. Like he didn't get stitches or anything, but it looked really bad. It was all red the, and no, cracked. it was like Swollen, by the, the, like the, the by the time sweat. he went back to school the next it like day, red, it was bloodshot. black. It was black and closed, man. Like oh. he, he got hit hard. And I a think that that shot. played a part. Lucky shot. I think that played a part. And his parents were trying to say, "You got to go emergency room and the doctors and his." Fixes I get suspended, but back to the story. There was a everything in my life at that very moment changed when I hit that dude. Everything changed, and I don't want to necessarily say that it definitely changed for the better. I'm not going to sit here and say you got to solve your your your, your problems punching people, but. You That's the way I had to solve my problem. Well, you had to my solve life. that problem. Th- that problem that did. Problem. And, and. Because that guy was punching you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to. Let me tell you something, man. Were, that was going to happen. That needed to happen, okay? Right. And it changed. And it changed the way people treated me. Right. Looked at me. Right. My experience. Um, I went to another school. They, they shipped me off to Emerson Junior High. And. I had some confidence, you know, in me. And listen, I, I I took a couple I took a couple ass kickings, but by this point in time, I was down for a fight. I just I liked it. Right. I liked it. Right. I liked the challenge. I wasn't afraid to fight. You I wasn't afraid you, to get hit. You learned, didn't hurt that much. You learned the you you learned the lesson that uh, you could you could be in a fight, you might even lose, but if you showed up and fucking punched the dude out, then you had your self-respect still, and people saw that. That was really it. Because if I was willing to show up, people, when you were done with whatever happened, even if you lost, people ain't 
<laughs> they don't want to handle. They don't want to handle. They don't want to have to handle that burrito. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> They'd rather just pass on it. You know? Right. And um, <laughs> but I I had by that point in time gathered so much. I had tried my mom's way. I had tried to come at the world under these pretenses of turn the other cheek, be a nice person. And, and God rest my mother's soul. And I love her to death, you know. But I tried that, and it, it wasn't working, man. My life was getting worse and worse. And when I took this turn and took what I feel like the power back, right? Um, things started to change. But I'll ha- I have to tell you, now, Chuman, you asked me, how do I go from that to this? Yeah. Well, if I have to be honest and yeah. I have to step out and tell you the truth, yeah. a lot of it's overcompensation because... <laughs> Dude, I spent a long time making a lot of people pay for the bullying that went on when I was a kid. I made sure nobody ever, after that point in time when I punched Miguel, nobody was ever going to push me around, talk down to me, pick on me. All that had come to an end and I had made that decision right after I hit that dude and saw the way people were acting. And that was that was going to be how that set the bar. And that's what I rode with. And I used it in many yeah, different ways yeah, in my life. But listen, okay. All right. So like you say overcompensate and, and that's a term that people use. And the term, and you know, every great, anything, every Steve's got to take a leak in a second here, but let me finish this thought then. Every great anything is over, it could be overcompensation. Mozart, Beethoven, Muhammad Ali, fucking you name it. On some level, people are driven because of some shit that happened in the past that they're trying to overcome. And when they call it overcompensation, it's almost like, you know, if you were a normal guy, if you were average, an average guy ain't going to do that. Well, fuck it. You ain't average. I'm not average. I'm not trying to be. And so I don't think overcompensating is necessarily the right phrase. I'm, I, I don't even like to use that anymore just because, like, I feel like the concept of overcompensating, maybe there's a validity to it. But I think, like, most times it's used to try to keep people f- to be average or normal. Like, I feel like if you've got great wounds, great hurts things that are very meaningful or that you're passionate, you're going to be overcompensating. You're going to push the limits. And that's what you've done. And that's for you with standing up for yourself. And let's be real. You learned the, the serious lesson of this society, which everyone pretends like they don't know. Everyone wants right. to pretend like they don't know, but that violence is a currency. It, it is. And, and at this age, I had gained what I felt was some power mm-hmm. through that experience. And right away, I'm starting to um, I'm 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 paying attention to what I'm watching in the media. And now I'm kind of. I'm talking to dudes that are around. Right. And you guys know what I'm saying. It's uh, uh, I start assimilating, you know, uh, um, you know, violence and, and, and being able to fight as what a man is and you know then the the, the the porn mags and 
Now that's what a man is. And then it's, you know, and it's, I, I start to formulate a from more, guy. A man is a porn mag? What well, is that? No, meaning, you know, you start finding out about, this, you start asking questions about sex and, and all this stuff. And you get and all the answers from porn man. Right. And like, okay. And so it's like, this is, uh, you know, as Hold a young on. man with no guidance, I'm getting schooled and I'm getting my information from other dudes. From the street. From the street, from guys my age. Hey, so but people don't know real quick, uh, a porn mag refers to a pornography magazine, magazine, which is what they have before the internet, before now you've just got plenty of digital. <laughs> right. Like you could, right. I mean... And that's you know, then use then it was alcohol and and let me escape weed and yeah and, and yeah it's escape it feels good and, and you're getting kind of coaxed into it that this is what guys do this is that's what men true. do this is what and so it's true you know what I'm gonna say something and that's true because a lot of times like because okay so part of the thing with Steve Lucky Luciano is that he's from the West Side which means Santa Monica. Uh, that's where he's born and raised. It's street urban culture that most people don't associate with Santa Monica. Santa Monica is considered to be like this vacation spot, city by the sea, da da da. And it is that, but it's also this LA urban street culture with gangs and the whatever else and the violence yeah. and the da da da. But a lot of people lay this whole. Tr- uh oh, Johnny Z is getting crazy. What? What? Yesterday there was a shooting. On the Third Street Promenade, and also a bank robbery. Really? In Santa Monica. Yeah, uh, Santa Monica doesn't like to release too much crime stuff. Yep. They keep Why? it hush. Why? Because money. Well, money it interfere with, their, with the tourism. Yeah. It's a the lot. Oh, dollar. Yes, sir. Rate, like, last week. All in Santa Monica. Wow. But, but All that's... Right, so, sorry. but my point... No, that's yeah. fine. No, that's fine. But my point is, is that... You know, and sometimes they lay that at like the urban or the hip hop or the street community. Like, hey, uh, you know, this whole attitude of guys smoking weed and drinking beer and, and fucking bitches. That's all it's ever since. End of- but, you know, to be real, if you want to be real about it, mm. like that whole concept of what a man is. Right. You see that in the movie Animal House, which came out, I think, in the late 70s. Mm-hmm. Those are just a bunch of guys in college smoking early weed. And, 70s, uh, early 70s. Yeah. Sm- drinking beer, smoking weed, John Belushi, and fucking bitches. That's yeah, what they're doing in absolutely. that movie. Right? And then you go Great in, movie. Great movie. Then you go even further back, right? And you're looking at like John Wayne. Now, he wasn't smoking weed, but he was drinking alcohol absolutely. and fucking bitches and yep. punching people. Yeah. It has nothing to do with street culture. Yeah, exactly. Right? You're absolutely right. That shit pisses me off because sometimes I'm like, and I'm not from the street. I'm not a street. I'm from a reservation, mm-hmm. different kind of street. They're across the street. Right. There's a buffalo on that side of the street. Right. But the point is, is it pisses me off because people want to lay that out as like, oh, uh, somehow rap came into view yeah, and now man. people are doing See, that that's shit. Some, well, there you go, Chumahan. Put them up on game. At Up until, um, up until about uh, 14... I had been primarily, I lived with my mom. I lived with my mom and my sister, and this was in West LA, kind of around here, Robertson right. Pico area, okay? Right. And like I had said, I had gone to John Burroughs Junior High School, which is in Los Angeles. I got kicked out. I went to Emerson Junior High School, which is in Westwood Village. These are both predominantly white schools. I'm, if you don't know, half Sicilian, half Jewish. My mom's Jewish. My dad's Sicilian. And at about... Catholic Jewish. Yep. Holy shit. How does that happen? uh, It just... uh, 
yeah, I mean, they, they, I don't How know. I mean, they met, they met in Lake Arrowhead. My mom uh, was up there on a vacation. My dad was like a water ski instructor or something up there. <laughs> oh, my dad, yeah, man. And she got her, her heel cut in the cot in like the rug at the front door. And my dad went over and helped her get her heel And he got out his and, heel cut and, in and, and boom, and the rest is history. <laughs> and uh, so people, people naturally, you know, I, you know, that little thing they say about like, uh, an owner starts looking like his dog yeah. after they're together for a while. Yeah. You start taking on the, the, you know, the aesthetic look of the era you might be in or the right. people you're around. Yeah, of course. People think I'm Mexican, but yeah, because I had an identity crisis the first 35 years of my life. <laughs> I wanted to be Mexican. What What about and being I, Mexican well, did you want? Uh, let me, let's back up. So, well, hold on. Because you do, I mean, I don't know how someone's supposed to look, but you you look like you could be Latino. You're tan. Absolutely. Right? You got dark hair. But I, I think you can, you can move in that direction more so then you want to because that's what you're trying to emulate. Right. And and I did that. But what was it about being Mexican? Is it just cuz everybody else was? So so moving so where we lived in West LA, you know, predominantly white schools and kind of Jewish neighborhood and that and Right. And at about 14 my dad ends up that you know, I'm getting into so much trouble that my mom is like you're going to go live with your dad. You're going to go live with your dad like half the time or, you know, so all of a sudden this guy's going to be, yeah, well, kind of, yeah, she couldn't control me. And I end up going and living with my dad like three, four days a week. My dad at the time lives on, no, my dad at the time lived on 20th and Delaware, basically uh, Pico and 20th area. He lived in the heart of of the neighborhood that I eventually joined. And at the time when I got there at that age, um, I, I think I was, yeah, I was 13. And uh, I get to that neighborhood, and that neighborhood is, was 99.9% Chicano, that neighborhood. On the other side of 20th was black. Our side was all Chicano, Mexican Chicano. And um, I when I showed up, my dad spoke four different languages. He spoke Italian, Sicilian, English, and he spoke Spanish fluently. Wow. And when I showed up over there, my dad, he hung out with all the other fathers that were in that area that were all Mexican. And he spoke fluent Spanish, and he hung out with those guys. And, and this was the type of neighborhood where they'd be working on cars from morning until night. From early in the morning, there'd be beers and telling stories and like fucking 10 guys standing around a car or one guy's working on it. Wife and beaters. That, yep, dude. And that's, and that, you know, and send the kids to the fucking liquor store to go buy some more beer. You know, that <laughs> type of a, but I got into, I got, I showed up and that culture accepted me. They didn't care about if I had money, if I didn't have money, what I had on. I was good enough showing up and they took me in that culture. The Chicano community embraced me. And for Didn't that, ask they got your undying loyalty. Exactly. Wow. That when that happened, and and Johnny and Memo and like Duty and all the homies that eventually became my homeboys for my neighbor, all embraced me, man. And they were all brown. And I felt for the first time in my life, man, 
I'm with oh. my yeah. I felt at home. Hold on. And I started did seeing. They know, I started. Did they know that you were Sicilian and Jewish? Yes. And they accepted you. Even yeah. Then. And my dad, but part of that was a lot to do with my dad, the way he carried himself. Like my dad wasn't didn't think he was too good or too proud. Like he was there. He with was the, he was one the of them. People. He was gente. Yeah. And that was one thing. Gente is Spanish for people. Right. Go and ahead. that was one thing that that I did get from my father was like he wasn't. He was right there with the people, bro. He wasn't too good to this. Didn't look down. He was. He considered himself them as well, and um, and I slid right into that. And I was one of those kids, man. I was just like them. And I saw the Christmas time with with you know the tamales, and I saw the quinceañeras, and I saw the and that, I wanted that, man. I wanted that. It looked like I, family. It was family, man. It was a family that. That my family was ripped apart, and right. it wasn't that. Right. It wasn't, and I loved everything about it, and I love the culture. And you know, eventually, um, the decision is made f- by my parents that I'm not going to go to an LA school. I'm going to go to school in Santa Monica. And at that point in time, my dad had gotten remarried. He had moved over to a different part of Santa Monica, which is still similar area. And he was on Ocean Park in Euclid, and. I moved in full time with my dad and his wife at the time and went to Santa Monica High School. The idea and, being like what? Try to get you away from street fr- culture? Get, try and get me away from a lot of the troubles I'd had in L.A. They felt like Santa Monica was a better school system. My dad being there that I wouldn't fuck around as much. Right. But uh, but that didn't work. As soon as I got to Santa Monica, <laughs> that shit did not the work. very first cats I ran into at this school are everybody from the neighborhood. So from day one, day one, I'm across the street in the parking lot at the Penguin, drinking at lunchtime, smoking some weed. And it just, you know, I, I tried to play football and, you know, I had a, a little injury to my knee even before season started. And that was all I needed to just, the the, the neighborhood, I got into the neighborhood and that preceded everything. Drugs, crime, women, all that was, and I was already heading that way, man. I had already been in trouble as a juvenile. I had already gotten arrested did you ever go for to breaking. Hall? Yeah. How long was the longest stint you did at juvenile? No, juvenile hall was quick. I was only there for a couple weeks. Was there any weirdos over there? I always think of ju- I always think like, man, I w- I always think like juvenile hall is like the worst place to send a criminal kid or a kid with criminal tendencies because it's like. I got to believe that at least three quarters of the people that work at Juvenile Hall want to fuck around with the kids. There are creepy, weird people, but I wasn't there long enough for all that. Um, some things happened and I got, I, I went to a foster. I went to foster care for a while. What was that like? Uh, it was a trip. I got. I was in foster care in South Central Los Angeles and I was in an all black foster home. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. That happened when I was, that happened when I was nine. You were in an all-black... How long were you in an all-black family? Uh, Like a couple months. I don't know what it is, but I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. It was... was, uh, Yeah, man, man. The lady, Kate Jackson was the woman's name. It's big... I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. uh, Beautiful, just... uh, uh, What's the word? Uh, Joy... Jolly? No, I can't think of it. Joyous? Yeah, but it, this big black woman that was just the, this the kindest, sweetest oh. woman, man. And she treated me like 
She really, she really treated me good, man. I and love she, uh, that. and it was, but I, I got there and I'm like, I'm different than everybody. And right. It's just a trip, man. And I was there. Some That's things, amazing. Some to things me. happened in our household. Some things went down in our household. There was some abuse and different things going down when I was young. And I tell you, this happened when I was nine and got removed. Me and my sister got removed. Uh, family service, child services took us out of our house. I'm put starting us in there. And we had to be there for a while until things got situated at my house. And then we came back home. I'm starting to. I'm starting to understand why you're a man of fashion and style. I'm starting mm. to understand that because jovial, jovial was the word I was thinking. Jovial, jovial, <laughs> jovial woman. Large African American yes. goddess. Oh, she's she a sweetheart. You, I tell you, sometimes some 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 African American women they have a kind of a heart, like a big heart, like a shining big heart that you keep. Like it's hard to match that. Some of these women, they just the love that they have, it's mm -hmm. amazing. And I love the fact that you. So now I'm starting to understand a little bit about why you're like a fashion style because you've got so many experiences that are diverse. Like I mean, dude. You're nine years old, living with an African-American family in South Central. Then your dad speaks four languages. Then you're over here with the gente. Then you're over here in Santa Monica with, like, a predominantly white school. And then you I mean, already you're getting, like, a cornucopia, kaleidoscopic. Oh, wait, and my mom's family's Jewish. My grandfather wants to practice Hanukkah. He and does. Passover, and we would do Passover. Yeah, we'd do Passover Seder at my grandparents' house. I love that. It was like yeah, I get like a like Christmas way. tree in the house, and then there was the 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 the, the, the menorah at when Grandma and Grandpa's. Do they do? You, are is there a way to serve tamales at the Passover or at I'm the Seder sure dinner? there's something. A but, Seder uh, dinner with tamales. It was a trip. That's amazing, man. So see, blend. You, so but you got a lot of different street views. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. All and, right. So you're in school and you're starting to i think join the gang yeah the i get in i get into the i get into the i get into the neighborhood santa monica Wait a second. so i've noticed that people talk about gangs and then they talk about neighborhoods same i'm talking about the same thing but you usually don't use the word gang no i noticed that why because that because nobody really uses that word gang that's from a gang i don't think so because, it's, because it's not like a gang. It, it's my neighborhood. I don't see it as like, oh, we're a gang. It's my neighborhood. It's that's neighborhood. interesting. So, see, did Sean, did you know that? Did you know that, like, if you use the word gang, you're probably not in a gang? No. Does no, it make yeah. sense now that he's saying yeah. it, right? Yeah. Like, you don't go around saying, like, yeah, I'm a gang member. Right. You're like, I'm in the neighborhood. Yeah, you see the look Steve just gave me when yeah. I said it? It was like a look of confusion. Like, what the? Of course. Of, is it, right. Like, you would <laughs> but, never say uh, this. I gotta that tell you. Sense, I like, gang members, I'm like, I'm not a gang member. I, it's like, this is my neighborhood. Whatever whatever way I, whatever thing I came up with, yeah, you know, the way I grew up and things that happened, yeah, mold me. Yeah. But at this point in time, you know, I, I'd have to tell you that, uh, you know, I was I was well, well, well into drinking. Heavily. I was well into marijuana and experimenting with other drugs. When you're like 16? Uh, 16, 17 now. And uh, well the epidemic alcohol. of crack has hit the scene. Right. Cocaine's a big, big, is, you know, you're talking about Scarface and cocaine. Like, all this is right. major, man. This is going on, you know. Um, 
and it 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 affected me and it found a way into my life and i gladly embraced it and uh gladly you were like wide open arms you were yep. like alcohol weed cocaine where have all, you been all my yep, life really really so this along with the lifestyle of the street neighborhood the neighborhood um you know all, all that man the crime and and this you know and all this is going on and yeah, um, and I and I I had a lot of friends from from Hollywood from back junior high and when I was living with my mom in L.A. West L.A. and uh, I was kind of bouncing back and forth. I'd be in the neighborhood in Santa Monica and then I'd go out to to Hollywood and I had like these two different worlds. And sometimes I'd bring them together and sometimes they'd stay apart. But right. they were two different, whole different worlds. Did you ever find that? In one world, you could be a certain way, and it was fun. And then when that got tired or a little bit, when you went to another world, it allowed you to express other parts of yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the Hollywood and the club scene, I was running around with a certain type of people. And there were a lot of connections I made with business. And there was a lot of celebrity. And there was a lot of this and that. Um, That's so interesting. That's how you know all. So okay, so great. So so uh, let's just Esteban and and he kind of explored that. He was there with me with when all that was going down. Right with clothing and all. yeah, and then Hell. in the neighborhood was a, a bunch of other stuff going on. It wasn't that stuff. It was other things. It was crimes. Drugs. It was drugs. It was there's a lot of bad shit going on. You know, there was a lot of good fun good things going on with the homies but there was a lot of like other stuff and like what other stuff specifics generics like just what? a lot of just crimes and drugs there, like was, there was there was murders that that i had friends that got murdered there was there was horrible things there was overdoses there was there was great fiestas there was great quinceañeras there was a great birthday parties there was also shootings and death and overdoses and drug experimenting and like being busted and like a lot of that you know and dude you know when you're saying all that let me ask you a different question so when you're traveling like so basically what you've kind of said was like look I ran with a kind of a club slash maybe like quasi celebrity slash business. There was that group mm -hmm. of people that I was working with. And then also then there was the neighborhood, which, you know, both sides have overdoses in those in those. Right? There was. Yes. OK. But when you're when you've got the kind of knowledge of the dirt or whatever you want to call it from the neighborhood, you got that reality. How does that. What is that like going then to business or, or in those other things? Like, because those people are talking about something. You've got something else. Let me else tell in the you something. Here. Let me yeah. tell you something. It as I'm in Hollywood, working doors at clubs and, and interchanging, and and there's apparel, the beginning of like ideas because yeah. I've always liked the apparel and stuff. Yeah, remember every now and then, I would have my homeboys come through to where I was at in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And people would be like, okay, oh, this guy's got this. He's attached to all this. He's here, and sometimes he's just doing business with us here. But don't forget that he has this attached to him. Does that make sense? This element. This element, right? Right. So whether I was with him or not, people got to, like, understand, like, yeah, yeah you... you <sighs> 
don't know, man. It, it kind of I was saying? able to incorporate both. Like that worked for me in that world because it was credibility. People, it was credibility, and people didn't have that in that world. Not many. Right. There was a handful of people that could dip back in and out of that. Right. Or if they called upon it, they had that having their back you know what right. i'm saying like yeah no it was so like, like yeah you'd want me working your door there or yeah if you had problems somebody wasn't paying you you wanted your money collected or That's yeah i want to be friends with lucky because it offers me some amount of i feel safe with that or right I'd because that if some be on shit goes down right number one uh, I've got somebody here who represents the street, and that's going to give people pause before they fuck me over. They might be like, oh, all that. that. And I, or if they do, you might have troops to call to be like, it's time, regulators, mount up. And I saw this. Um, I saw this. I saw this. I saw it, and 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 I wasn't. I wasn't dumb. I I saw like the leveraging. I saw different things. You do. You have I a was great devoted. You got a great instinct for people's emotions. Do you know I, that? Do you know that? I don't. I guess so. Listen, this fucking this like this guy. Come on, I, you know I was thinking about this this morning on the way over. You got a good like you got like a sixth sense when it comes to people's like emotions or like um, their their understanding or their their feeling of wh- what's up, Johnny? <clears throat> From doing time. <laughs> <laughs> right, you gotta read say, people. You Absolutely. In, you like yeah. Back no, back. because, because what were you gonna say, Sean? I was gonna say he's in the moment a lot. He's he's not like, he's not elsewhere. He's you know of, what? I'm gonna tell you something that I've noticed because, um, there was a, like maybe it was like in the last two days, I was noticing this about you that like you maybe you're aware of. I think you are aware of it, but maybe it's also a little subconscious. I don't know, but you like you and I have conversations, and there'll be times where it's like. You know, you'll be talking about working with an artist, let's say, a lot, right? And you and I will kind of say, like, yeah, that's a good idea, and da-da-da. And it might seem like it's a more you and the artist thing in mm-hmm. the conversation. Mm-hmm. And then, like, maybe a day later, I'll get a text from you where you're reassuring me about our partnership. And I'll be like... That's interesting. I'm like, you know, I wonder if... He picks up on, you know, that maybe I might feel like, oh, he's going to, you know, take off with his artist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but like I notice that you do do that from time to time and it makes me think either you're aware of it, you're you're very politically minded. Like you're very politically minded. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is that true? Absolutely. One thousand percent. That's interesting. Because what the people that I care about and what they're thinking about him, I sometimes think I know what they're thinking about. Right. I want to let them know or convey, and and even in the opposite, if it's a bad thing, I'm right. gonna let you know. You know what, Sean? And you know what else? That the other day we had that conversation where you're like, "How you doing, man?" And I was like, "Ah, the baby, this, that, the and that listed off a lot of shit, a law firm, a fucking all the shit that I do, right? And then you know, maybe about a day later, there was an email from you where like, "Listen, I'm ready. I know you got a lot on your plate. Let's." And I didn't ask you, right? But you did do that, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. So, yeah, Sean, do you see that? Yeah, because he's he's contacted me too, and he's like, "Hey, you know, just I'm doubling down, man. We're gonna, we're gonna really, and you're gonna be part of it. You know what I'm saying?" He's yeah, like, you, always you, reassure. There's you just did say that to Sean too. Remember, we were talking yeah, about yeah, this show, yeah, which which yeah, yeah. this show is gonna the television show that Steve and I are working on right now. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be meeting some very important people later today. Yes, 
And this thing is, honestly, I got to say, <laughs> listen, I used to work for Wick Godfrey at Davis Entertainment, who now runs Paramount. I used to be, mm. his, I used to be his right-hand man. So I know I used to develop scripts. I used to read scripts. I got an MFA in screenwriting. Used to, so I know a lot about people. I like how you just MFA in screenwriting. Yeah. I throw that shit out. Listen. Uh, a little something, something. Listen, it's I got to let people know. I got to let people know what kind of toppings are on the pizza mm-hmm. from time to time. So the thing is, it's like, I'm like, okay. So I've seen a lot of pitches. I've heard a lot of pitches. I've done a lot of pitches. I've been in a room with a lot of pitches for all kinds of entertainment shit from fucking dancing dogs to fucking uh, reality show on whorehouses. And the thing is, right, very rare. Oh, so rare. <laughs> like 0.002% of the time. Like even a good ideas, even the great ideas, there's always a little hesitation from people, right? Like when you pitch it to them, there's always a little hold back. There's always like a, yeah, and it's this idea, and a guy goes back in time, and it's a planet full of apes, and he doesn't mm-hmm. really know it yet. And then everyone's like, All yeah, right. it sounds pretty good, but it's a little bit of a like, hmm. Mm-hmm. But this idea that you and I have, that, have mm-hmm. that we've told to everybody, right? That we've told the two. <laughs> we've yes. told the two people. <laughs> yeah. There's not been ever once that little holdback that you're supposed... Every single time people are like, I love it. I get it. Remember and how we- can I get involved in how it? How can I get it? <laughs> Jen Boozes, right? She's like, we had a lunch with this lady whose wa- whose husband is like the biggest agent at UTA. We had this lunch with her and we're talking a little bit about it. And she's like, oh, yeah. And we told her about the Westlos documentary about lowriders, which is like a slam dunk lowrider documentary. I'm like, that's pretty clear. Like, that's going to work. Who doesn't want to mm. see low fucking riders? We tell her all these odd things that we're working. And she's like, that's very good. That's very good. And we didn't even mention the show again. And at the very end of that lunch, she was like, by the way, keep me in the loop about the show. And then very few is it greased up that good that it's not hitting any of the edges on the shoot. It's going all the way down as fast as the thing can go. Yeah. That's this, this show that we got right now is, is like that. And yeah. we just met with the screenwriter who wrote Hitch. Mm-hmm. The fucking screenwriter who wrote Hitch. See, Steve knows everybody. Do you understand that? <laughs> Do you fucking understand that? Does, listen, if you're listening to this right now and your fucking headphones are on your fucking radio or your fucking Bluetooth thing, whatever the fuck you are listening to, get this straight. Open up the fucking eardrums. Steve knows a lot of fucking people. He knows the screenwriter to hitch. Screenwriter to hitch was so excited. But what we said, he's like, I got nothing I got. But he gave us like one or two suggestions, which we put into action. Yep. And the guy wrote like on his own an intro for us. He's like, you know, I was just thinking about what you guys were talking about. And here's an intro. I'm writing. And he sent us an intro uh, that he just freeformed, wrote for us. And we're and right. Am I wrong? No, you're not. You're fucking 100 percent. So listen, Mr. And Mrs. Headphones. Steve knows a lot of fucking people. So I think at the front of this thing, we fucking said, like, look, Steve's life is so huge. And fucking Tech Dad 98 or whoever the fuck his name is wanted to know, like, a couple of other things about him. So we're going to leave it open ended. Right. So we got one episode with me. I kind of why don't we walk out of this verbally Mm -hmm. for now? We're going to come back and pick up the rest of the story. We'll, at Later. another yeah, at another time, I'm starting to think like, well, it's two thirty-five. We got to leave at four to to make our meeting for the tele- television. We show. need to start wrapping up at three thirty here. All right. Adios, 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 adios.